Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are we doing today? Doing well, doing good, well, and good. ready to solve all our problems. Well, a couple of them. And try to have fun at it. <laughs> That's the tough part. That is the hard part. <laughs> but uh, we will once again present our case for a couple current events. And uh, one that struck us as being of interest to the general public and uh, people inquiring, what in thunder are we going to do? This is a real problem and there's no easy, easy answers. And that is all the talk and all the noise and all the reporting on the Haitians are coming, the Haitians are coming. Yeah. What are we going to do with it? And uh, it turns out that uh, yeah, the first thing I think most people would start thinking, I wonder why, wonder why the Haitians are coming. I thought we had enough from Central America and all the, yeah. these other places. But do they, do they have, make a plan and they have a strategy? Uh, we know that our policy has a lot to do with our borders. Uh, but uh, that refl is reflected in who comes and when they come. It's a lot different than it was, you know, probably for more than 100 years or longer where people came to this country uh, because we were a freer society, it was more prosperous, and it was more acceptable, and uh, they, would, they would come under dire circumstances. Sometime revolution, sometime weather problems, and all, all kinds of reasons. But it was never, uh, you know, an epidemic, and, and now, now they're, they're, they're admitting there's, there's big problems here. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a problem, not only for the American people and the people who are coming, it's, it's a problem for the Democratic Party. So they, they're, they're sweating it out a little bit. And uh, I don't think that'll hurt the country any. I think a little bit of competition uh, philosophically uh, in a Democratic is good. I happen to think that's good in the Republican Party. Yeah. Matter of fact, the Libertarians might think about that too. Yeah. You know, a little competition to argue and understand, you know, what's going on. But boy, it is a problem. Remind, it reminds me of a statement I made once before when I was a Libertarian Party presidential candidate and I was in a group of hardcore libertarians, good people, and they were questioning my credentials because they still saw me as a, a, a right-wing conservative Republican, so they were not too happy with that. So the subject of immigration came up, and uh, I wasn't cold-blooded. I wasn't saying, uh, you know, anybody that needs us, just walk in and do whatever you want, because I thought there were some problems. Matter of fact, we were subsidizing uh, all this. And the only thing I remember about it is when I posed back a question to the people questioning me, I said, how do you draw the line? When does immigration and generosity in immigration become an invasion? My yeah. answer to that is we're witnessing it right yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is becoming a nightmare for President Biden. And in fact, let's put up that first picture. This is an article in Politico that you sent over this morning, Dr. Paul. We decided to talk about this. Biden slips into political quicksand amid Haitian migrant buildup. This is the, uh, the bridge between Mexico and Texas, and it's, there's a lot more even than that now. The, the thing is, Dr. Paul, that both sides, Republicans, Democrats, completely oversimplify the issue. Either It's neither a you know, purely humanitarian uh, refugee crisis, nor is it an, an invasion. It's something that you can actually trace back to specific events and I know this will be shocking, but a lot of the problem was caused by governments in the first place. Um, there was a good article in USA Today yesterday that kind of traced the origin of this, because all we hear is, 
there's a bunch of people on the border. Depending on your political stripe, you gotta, you gotta take them in or send them back. You know, that's the only thing that's allowed. But what happened, really, and this is according to the USA Today article, is, you know, at least about a hundred, uh, one and a half million people left Haiti uh, after the 2010 earthquake, which is a bit, was a big quake. And they went to places like Brazil, where there was a serious labor shortage because Brazil was spending a bunch of public money on boondoggles, like building stadiums for the World Cup, building stadiums for the Olympics, that's 2014 and 2016. They needed a lot of cheap labor. The Haitians, the country was pretty messed up after the, the earthquake, so boom, they all went over there. Also, uh, uh, Chile and Venezuela uh, took a lot similar immigration of cheap labor. So what happened when they built these things, when the government spent all the money to build these things? Well, the demand for that cheap labor dried up, and so these people you know, took to their feet. They took to migrating, they took to their feet. Uh, the conditions in Haiti were intolerable, not just because of the quake, but because of tons of mismanagement. I know that's shocking because the Clintons spent so much money in there, you would have thought it would have been <laughs> yeah. a, a palace, but no, believe it or not, they didn't fix the country. So now you have a situation where they can't go back. Their home country is a total disaster. There's nowhere else to go. Legally, we can't deport them back to Mexico because they're not residents of Mexico. The Mexicans don't want them. Uh, and there's no place that no one else will take them. They don't want to go back to Haiti. So it is a legitimate disaster. But when you really scrape below the surface, disaster was caused by bad economic policies in Central America. Yes, and I always ask one more question. Does anybody benefit from this? Not too many. The, the people they claim they're helping are the uh, immigrants and uh, the problems there or the people who have to pay for it all. But I also uh, maintain that uh, I am fairly well convinced that there are other people who benefit from chaos. And uh, the more you can mess up a society, whether it's through uh, COVID or whatever it is, and uh, I think I think this immigration problem is a good way to stir up trouble at home. And of course, it's the culture of Marxists that that is a precise plan uh, of theirs. Uh, others, though, use it for their own special purposes. And you describe so many different reasons why this has come about. But one that uh, is talked about, and it's real in the sense that uh, people are convinced it's true, uh, and yet it uh, isn't the answer. It, matter of fact, it's a distraction. And that is, this is all racial. It's because no. white people are being nasty to Haitians and they're riding horses up and down the beaches and whipping them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're using this as an opportunity to stir up that type, type of trouble. But I heard uh, a woman being interviewed like this and she sounded like she really believed it. She wasn't sort of making it up. But uh, regardless of how they come to these conclusions, because some people might want to stir up the trouble, might some people believe some of it is true. But uh, in this case, the person I was listening to sounded like uh, you know that she visualized that there was a lot of whipping going on mm. and horses running over people and and it was all oh, even when the interviewer quizzed her do you think it's all that is just the white people doing this to black people and she said yes absolutely oh. so that's an attitude that fits in it fits into the uh, scenario that some people wanted to and they think they're going to make points uh by doing this but quite frankly uh that attitude whether it's from which side it comes it doesn't matter that type of attitude on either side make the conditions much worse and of course the vice president kamala harris jumped on board with that whole thing, that the idea that they're over there just whipping them for fun, uh, which wasn't the case. And that doesn't do any favors to Biden either because it puts him at odds 
with his own border patrol, border security, and they do push back and they have pushed back. And you can see it in the Politico article that we're talking about, Brandon Judd, who's president of the National Border Control Patrol Council, which is a, you know, an association of border patrol officers, uh, he provided to Politico the text of emails that he provided to the administration back in June saying, hey, a huge gr uh, chunk of migrants is coming. You better plan it. There's going to be a massive influx in Del Rio. Uh, he suggested some ways that the administration could handle the crisis better, uh, how they might be able to make it move more uh, smoothly. And uh, this is from the political order. The response from management in the Del Border Patrol's Del Rio sector, according to the union, was that, quote, several other platforms are being considered which are more efficient. So they ignored this uh, issue. Uh, the, the, so the administration is very out of touch. They had no plan. It kind of reminds you of Afghanistan. No good plan. Basically asleep at the wheel. And this doesn't help matters either. Let's look at this, um, this next clip if we can. Here's the Secretary of Homeland Security. Here's what he said before Congress. Quote, I honestly believe our borders are closed. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like magical thinking. I honestly believe the Afghanistan withdrawal went perfectly fine. So if you say it and you honestly believe it, then it has to be true. He probably does he believe might, it, doesn't he? He yeah. convinces himself. But you brought up the subject that uh, he's contradicting, and, and this has been going on ever since uh, he's been sworn in, a contradiction between him and, uh, and, and with the vice president, uh, Harris. So she, she I think, and, and right now, the, the split over this issue and other issues, it, you know, it's just been in like, you know, three, four, five months that all of a sudden, there's a little bit of objectivity in saying, well, maybe, maybe this guy's not up to it. Yeah. And this isn't, it, the Republicans are, are uh, you know, they've done it constantly. Uh, but if anything, they've just have a main, they maintain that, but that's not their biggest issue. Uh, it's almost like, let these people fight it out themselves yeah. for, for political reason. But it reminds me of what was happening in 1973, 74, you know, under Nixon and Spiro Agnew. The, uh, the very first thing you had to do, if, if the deep state decides a president has to go, like they decided Nixon had to go, they didn't like Agnew. So, uh, you, you know, they found some things, yeah. uh, you know, which I guess isn't too difficult. So they uh, made it, you know, made it so bad and they got him to resign, you know, over this. And, uh, and I keep thinking the Democrats, if this continues, because they're definitely, I think there's a definite faction uh, where the, the Democrats are more outspoken against Biden than they were, you know, so before it was only nobody, you could give us the devil himself. Yeah. As long as you hate Trump, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. and maybe maybe this is what uh, what they're getting for it. You know, they're they have somebody that they can't they can't tolerate. So uh, I, I guess um, uh, the uh, the next step, if they're planning this, I don't think they're going to uh, ha have a reason to get rid of Biden uh, without getting rid of uh, Harris first. And that's terrible thinking. But that's the way I, I'm just impressed with what I listen to and yeah. as a matter of fact it was back when i was running for the first time for congress during that episode mm -hmm. and uh it's 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 something that could happen again uh and uh it, it could be that uh uh, you, you know, they're going to ignore all the other things that you talked about, the bureaucracy, the politics of it all, and just bad, bad policies and bad economics and uh, bad science. Yeah, <laughs> bad science.
Well, you know, I still remember when I covered immigration for you on the Hill, and I think I'm still traumatized by it. But the reality is the reason why I understand, and this resonates, that it really is quicksand. It's a good word for it, is that no matter what Biden does at this point, he's going to be in, in trouble. And, you know, we, I had a lot of calls from the district, a lot of good folks on both sides, but they were very passionate about it. If they, if they didn't feel like you wanted to shut the border with barbed wire and shoot anyone that came over, then you were a horrible liberal. If they didn't feel like you wanted to open the gates and hand out free goodies, then you were a monstrous conservative. And it's, t it's, t it's a tough issue. But one thing that didn't come up with those options is the one that I promote. That's if what you, I tried to promote, <laughs> not very successfully. Then you got into trouble. <laughs> but yeah. No, to, to me, uh, if you subsidize something, you get more of it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, what is going on right now is believed to be a gigantic subsidy. They probably thought it was a subsidy to go to Central America because they were inflating like crazy and inviting the Haitians to come down, yeah. take this money and stimulate our economy. So right now, you know, we're still printing. The dollar's still strong enough that we, we're going to print for maybe a month or two yeah. or a year or two more. But so the people have an incentive. They come in and they... Uh, they get in front of the line, in the front of the line of American citizens when it comes to housing and food and everything else. But, you know, in a, in a libertarian society, everything would be operating under free uh, private property rights, and that would be completely different. But even under these circumstances, uh, if you were going to have immigrants, when my grandfather came, he didn't get a handout. Yeah. He had to get a job and a steel mill. I think it was a dollar a week, you know, <laughs> because he wanted to be here. But that, that's, that's uh, you know, the, the whole thing is... Uh, there's an incentive to come, and not only on top of the immediate uh, material material benefits, what about the getting in front of the line yeah. of people who've been waiting, how many years could they be waiting, five years or so, to become a citizen? Yeah. And they get moved in, yeah. you know, and become citizens immediately. And, uh, and the other thing I find, you know, rather bizarre and sometimes uh, uh, annoying is when we go into a country, destroy the country, bomb and kill a lot of people, and a lot of people suffer from it, and the people who uh, you know, uh, came over to the American side and said, well, we'll be your spies and we're going to fight with you. Boy, they are heroes. Yeah. They once again, they come home, they become immediate citizens, yeah. you know, and, and they're, uh, they're special people. So it, it's a shame because I have so much confidence that in a free society, people would come, they would, be, they would come in the numbers that could be absorbed and it would be done in a voluntary fashion. Even in, in our society today, if, if you're too aggressive in helping illegal immigrants, maybe not so much today, but in the past it was, you know, it, I remember reading stories about the Catholic Church, yeah. you know, being helpful to immigrants just out of a humanitarian sense. And uh, uh, t today though, I mean, uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it still will be an incentive, but the big incentive is the distortion by our governments and our financial system and our running up our debt. So I'm pessimistic in thinking that we're going to straighten that matter up, but we have to convince people there's a better way to get into trouble, and that is one thing, avoid the type of policies that has invited this, and uh, quite frankly, I don't think it's one party. I think... Uh, I, yeah. I think both parties are responsible. Yeah, you talk about people that stood in line being frustrated about this happening. And, and the fact of the matter is, if you know any Hispanics who, uh, who have emigrated legally, they're among the biggest immigration hawks. They, they're, not in, they're not opposed to it. <laughs> they want it to be done the right way. And that, you know, from a political perspective, makes you wonder a little bit. If I were a Dem, I'd be a little bit worried about the Hispanic vote with that. And we saw an historic uh, shift uh, in the 2020 elections of Hispanics toward Trump. 
Uh, I think you got more Hispanic boners than, than, uh, than <laughs> right. Republicans have gotten at all. But we want to move on to the next one because we've got a, a couple of other things to cover. And if we can look at the next clip, this will kind of be an entree. Ten for the big guy. Politico confirms Hunter Biden's China-Ukraine emails are legit. Little late, but it's confirmed now. Should we be surprised? Yeah, no, yeah. not surprised. It, only in the sense that it finally got out in the open yeah. in a reasonable way. So um, I would say painting Politico as somebody that you can absolutely predict and is a radical left-wing, uh, you know, progressive. That's not true because I look at them and I find articles now and then. And this at least sounds like they're reporting the facts. Even though the facts have been out there, they, this gives it more legitimacy. So uh, the big guy is probably going to get off. Uh, you <laughs> know, if it, if, if it were uh, uh, this be one way, that'll add to the fuel to why we have to get rid of this guy, but they don't really care about this. This this is not, this is a sin, so it's not a crime, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, they're probably saying, ah, too bad we can't get Harris involved in this thing. Maybe we get rid of her first. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, if the big guy was Trump and uh, Hunter was Trump Jr., and this was a couple of years ago, the media would not be so shy about <laughs> reporting it. We can bet that. But, you know, the thing is, I mean, we can talk about the Hunter stuff. We can talk about the criminality that seems pretty obvious in the entire corrupt family. And by the way, to back up a little bit, what we're talking about is a new book that's come out from Ben Schreckinger. He's a young Politico reporter. He's probably young enough to real not to realize that you can't do these kinds of things and be successful, but hats off to him for having the courage to actually act like a reporter because Politico itself was one of the main publications promoting this false now that we know idea that the Hunter Biden emails were all Russian propaganda and disinformation. Well, he has a book, The Bidens Inside the First Family's 50 Years Rise to Power. Uh, Glenn Greenwald has taken uh, notice of the book and he's, he's made some comments about it that we'll talk about in a second. But I think the real story here from our perspective is the idea of interference in the elections, Dr. Paul, because the whole narrative in 16 and again in 20, the Russians interfered in our sacred vote, in our sacred democracy, when in fact what we realize now is it wasn't the Russians at all. It was the mainstream media and it was the American intelligence agencies that interfered in the elections. Uh, and let's look at this next clip because this is NPR, which we pay for. This is what they ran at the time when the laptop story first came out of the New York Post, the Hunter Biden story came out. They were very self-righteous, they said. Why haven't you seen any stories from NPR about the New York Post Hunter Biden story? Read more in this week's newsletter, and here's what they said. Here's why they didn't even bother to report on it. We don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories, and we don't want to waste our listeners' and readers' time on stories that are just pure distractions. So evidence that the president-to-be and his son were completely corrupt, involved in horrible sexual practices and this and that and the other, that's just not a story. That's NPR. You know, and, and I think even recently, within the last day, Adam Schiff once again said it was all about Russian disinformation. Blame it on, on the Russian. Isn't it, it's fascinating to me how they're able to reverse, uh, you, you know, their effort. People, if you were in the law enforcement business, your antenna should go up if so-and-so accuses so-and-so of here of doing something yeah. and, and, and they reverse it. 
they're probably the most guilty of yeah, it. I mean, no. I think of Hillary. You yeah. know, it's the thing. <laughs> she was, you know, she's always willing. It, the people that accuse it, and, and generally that's, you know, that's true so often uh, that that they 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 try to reverse it, get attention on. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of terrible things going on there, and I don't know why the American people put up with it, and they're actually lying through their teeth to convey a completely different scenario. Yeah. Well, let's look at that bonus clip that I sent because I think this is important too because we're talking about who cheated on the elections, who cheated on the vote, who was interfering in the American electoral process. Uh, that bonus clip, if you can put that up. This is Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut. This is the man who interfered in the elections by lying. He lied. He said, Joe, this is back in October 2020 when the stories first came out. Joe Biden and all of us should be furious that media outlets are spreading what is very likely Russian propaganda. Now here's the lie. I've seen the intel. The mainstreaming of misinformation is Russia's 2020 goal. Here's what we know and why we can't take it lying down. The implication here by saying I've seen the intel is I know stuff you guys don't know. This story is a hoax. It's all Russian propaganda. He could not have known that because as we know now, that is not true. It's been proven. And here's what Glenn Greenwald tweeted yesterday, and this is a great summary. As a reminder, this is what happened. One, it was obvious from the start that the Hunter documents were authentic. Two, they concerned Joe's activities, not Hunter's. Three, the CIA lied, saying it was Russian disinformation. Four, big tech and media united to censor the reporting to protect Biden and I would add, and to get him elected. If that's not manipulation of the electoral process, I don't know what is. You know, it's, um, it's scary because, uh, you, you, you know, most people know that uh, if you tell the truth, you can get into a lot of trouble. So uh, for, for reporters to do this and t tell it, they're going to be accused of, of tr being committing treason because they're telling the truth. And that's what happens. So it, so it takes a special person now to stand up and say something, uh, you know, uh, and, and if you're in politics or in business, if you don't go along in the business community, even though you, you have some sympathies or you don't have the sympathy, uh, you can be uh, you can be canceled. People get canceled for telling the truth. And that's really, if you think about it, that's probably the bottom line for almost all the problems that we have here. And people say, you know, we, we live in an age now where you can't trust the government, you can't trust anybody, which is true. It seems like everybody's telling a lie. So uh, Greenfield, uh, when he uh, uh, comes out and tells the truth, wow, this is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. So we'll have to see what that, how that plays out. And I think we're going to move on to our third big one, if you're ready, Dr. Paul. I'm all set. Which is really a fascinating one. And we can put on that next clip just to kick it off. J.P. Morgan makes an unexpected discovery. Delta variant only, quote, half as infectious as assumed. And what caught both of our attention about this, Dr. Paul, is this is J.P. Morgan. They're, pre they're pre preparing and presenting data for their investors. They're not Fauci. They're not the anti-Fauci. They're not involved in the politics of it. They're only concerned with their customers who want to make money and figure out how they can project what's going to happen. And they had to change their position. They, yeah. they didn't always endorse this position. As they got more information, they changed it and they put it out there. Uh, so the big the big numbers is half as infectious as the the word in the title is assumed, 
but I think there's probably a better word than that as has been promoted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it uh, it's uh, it, it isn't like it at all. And I can remember when this first came out, uh, this whole thing about the variant. I don't know how long, eight months ago or so, that uh, we we read an article on uh, one of our scientists that we believed in, and he he put the case out there for uh, you know why it could be infectious. People can get it, but they don't get sick. Yeah. And uh, it distorts all the numbers, and it really confuses. And that's what that's what they're reporting on now. All of a sudden. You know, things, uh, you know, the peak is gone and they're already talking about what are we going to do about it? What what, what are we going to do about it? And they're 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 looking they're looking for something else. And that's why I think uh, one thing they're going to pick is uh, because it's been around a bit is uh, a climate change. They can scare a lot of people with climate change and the people just seem to be gobbling up stuff, uh, something to something to worry about and uh, and not not use any common sense. Yeah. They should have beer, not fear. (laughs) But the interesting thing about this, J.P. Morgan, so they were looking at when the Delta was coming. They were looking, they were objectively looking at what they might expect. And they looked at a number of countries with very low vaccination rates. And based on that, they expected, and they looked at um, Philippines, Peru, Colombia, South Africa, Ecuador, Thailand, and Mexico. At the time, they looked particularly vulnerable, they said. So what they were looking at and concerned about was called the RE, the reproduction numbers, the number of persons infected by each person who is infected. Now, obviously, the higher that is, that means it's growing and it's expanding. So what they expected, uh, and here's J.P. Morgan's report. We thought that the RE, the the reproduction rate in the Philippines, would rise from 0.92 to 1.97 as the Delta variant became fully prevalent. At an RE of 0.92, new infections are falling. Well, at a rate of 1.97, new infections are doubling every six (laughs) to seven days. So that's what they expected, a very, very high uh, reproduction rate. Let's look at this next uh, clip because this is what they found, which was very different. Well, on average, the reproduction was expected to rise by 0.58% by the end of June to this time when Delta variant was fully prevalent from 1.07 to 1.65 RE, the average rise was only by 2.24 from 1.07 to 1.31. In other words, JP Morgan says around half the expected gain in RE did not occur. So they're saying their assessment was incorrect and it was half as much as they thought. One of the explanations they gave, uh, or why they made the mistake of thinking this was going to be horrendous, uh, and uh, they, they indicate that these countries had very low vaccination rates. Yeah. I keep thinking, could that be an indicator? Maybe they ought to look at that. I'd like to know more what Impossible. they think. That's but low infection and low vaccination rates, and the people get healthier. Yeah. So that, that's that's what has come up. So I, I think this is uh, very important. Uh, None of these countries saw the gains in in the reproduction uh, effort. And uh, and then they, of course, reported what they want. It just reminds me of the very beginning of this. You, you know, all that testing done with, with a, a test that was done in, incorrectly. And if they wanted new cases and new infections and new deaths, they were able to rig all that stuff together. And, of course, this helped straighten things out. It's a shame that, you know, what, what happens uh, when they decide ivermectin is decided, well, 
but it was it is one of the best drugs ever uh, you know and at least what if they even just said it was a lot better than the people who claim and who try to outlaw it and then the uh, drugs that they really want uh, they ration them and won't let them go into certain states for political reasons Things can't get a whole lot worse in the medical field than that. Uh, get the politicians out of medicine and to get the bureaucrats out of medicine and get the drug companies out of writing the regulations. That's, that would help us go in the right direction. I just wonder if people are going to finally start conquering their fears. Uh, and this was hyped up so much. And this is not to discount the people that did get sick. Of course, people did get sick. We don't deny that. But the fact is the hype now that we see some of these numbers, certainly doesn't match the assessment of people who are in the business, uh, not the religion, but the business of making objective assessments. So I don't know if you have any more on this, Dr. Paul. I was going to close with a clip. but Okay, no, I, one, one second. One other point I see here is that mobility is sometimes entered into a factor if people are moving. And the movement was satisfying a, a, a several months ago, but mobility uh, did decline sharply in July in the Philippines. But these declines were mostly reversed during August. <laughs> so huh. they should have had, you, you know, uh, they were traveling more. They should have had a boost. And that's when everything started going down. Yeah, yeah. Well, the curves seem to be pretty much identical everywhere. But I'm going to close out with something because this is we this is called scratch my head section because uh, and, and you wonder I hope that Americans will wake up and 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 have their logic return to them and some of them do and you you always say we're making progress and I hope you're right. <laughs> but but here's the thing that anyone who stops for just a second, takes a deep breath and reads the words and looks at the picture will say Something is not right in this. Let's put this next clip up. This is just my closing clip. This is from the HHS, Health and Human Services, the government. We can make it a little bigger. I don't know if we can or not. But here's what the text says. COVID vaccines are highly effective against the Delta variant. And everyone 12, uh, age 12 plus is eligible. So favorite classes, funniest teachers, group projects are all coming back and so can your favorite student. It's all happy news, great news. The vaccines are highly effective and yet every kid in the picture has a mask on. Those two things don't go together, do they? No, you'd think that would wake somebody up. Yeah. But we'll keep saying it over and over again. And uh, maybe we'll see more crowds like we saw in uh, Australia yeah. yesterday and New York. Yeah, so New York. They're, they're coming alive again. And uh, they, you know, people don't act because uh, the theoretician tells them to, even though the theoretician is very important, they, they act and they will stand up and they will resist when it's in their best interest. Right now, it has, they haven't perceived it as being in their best interest by resisting and standing up because they were, they were small, imagined themselves as being small in numbers, didn't want to take the risk, getting kicked out of school. And yesterday we reported on kids getting kicked out of school uh, because they wouldn't take a vaccination. So there's still a lot, a lot of problems that have to occur. But, but eventually, Daniel, they're going to realize it's their benefit. Freedom is better than slavery. We encourage freedom. And uh, I think if you're interested in peace and prosperity, you'll endorse the principles of liberty. And that's what we hope we can help in. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Come back soon.